Hi, everyone. Before we get to our show today, I just want to remind you that this is the week we are launching Path 11 TV on 11.11. We are just a couple of days away. If you haven't already purchased your annual membership, I would like you to go to path11tv.com and do that now. And if you do, you are going to be entered into a free gallery reading with evidential medium Suzanne Northrup. So that special and that free gallery reading is only for people who subscribe for the annual membership and you have to do it before 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, maybe until 11.30 a.m. I'll give you another half an hour to purchase an annual membership because at 12 noon, we are going to move over into a private Zoom room. Um, if you purchase the annual membership, we're going to email you that link and then you can hop into this Zoom room with Suzanne Northrup and she is going to be giving a gallery reading. Now, of course, not everyone is guaranteed to get a reading, but um, if she decides that she is connecting to you and connecting to your past loved ones, you will definitely have the opportunity to speak to your past loved ones through her. She will deliver messages. That is her job, okay? She talks to dead people. That's what she calls them. She said, they're dead. We're going to call them dead people. So she's got a lot of energy. She's a lot of fun. Um, she was rated as one of the highest evidential mediums in one of the Gary Schwartz experiment that was done years ago. I mean, this woman is on point. Um, the price is great to be able to actually go into a gallery reading with her. So I would really take advantage of nothing else. If you don't want to watch Path 11 TV, purchase the annual membership so you have the opportunity to have a gallery reading with her. But I think you guys are going to love the content that we have over 75 hours. And I want you to know that this is the only time the price is probably going to be this low. We're celebrating. It's our launch. We're super excited. It's 40% off what the regular price is going to be. You're going to see that price jump back up on November 12th of 2020. So head on over, sign up. You get a couple of days if you do it now on Monday to get a couple of days um, of your free trial. You can check out all of the content that we have. And then uh, you're going to meet us over on path11productions.com on November 11th. And we're also going to be live streaming on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, you can watch us there and watch us talk to Suzanne. She's going to talk a little bit about mediumship from 11 to 11.30. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to head over to that private Zoom room. So get on your phones, get on your computers, path11tv.com and go ahead and sign up for the annual membership for only $59.99. That is a great price for our streaming network. If you don't want to get the annual membership, you can get the monthly membership and I'm going to give you a discount today. You're going to type in the code podcast 25 and that's going to give you 25% off for your first three months. All right, everyone. I am so excited about this week. I cannot wait. And um, I hope I get a reading too. I would love to connect um, with some of my past loved ones. Head on over to path11tv.com. And now for this week's episode. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Path 11 podcast. I know how many of you love to hear about near-death experience stories. And our guest today, David Ditchfield, is going to be sharing his near-death experience story. It's pretty outrageous. Back in 2006, he was dragged under a speeding train in a freak accident. And as the surgeons fought to save him, he had a profound NDE experience. You're going to hear us use that term if you're not familiar uh, near NDE is just an abbreviation for near-death experience, so we'll probably use that interchangeably during this podcast. And when he woke up in the hospital, he had acquired astonishing new abilities. I'm sure some of you have heard this before, where people will have a near-death experience, and then all of a sudden they come back and they can play a musical instrument. Well, similar things happen to David just like that. Not only has he been able to compose classical music, never having received any training, he still to this day can't even read music, um, but he also came back from his near-death experience and was able to have artistic ability that he never had before. His book is called Shine On, The Remarkable Story of How I Fell Under a Moving Train, Journey to the Afterlife, and the Astonishing I brought back with me. Uh, this was released in June of 2020. And uh, for those of you who are listening, if you actually want to watch this interview, you can head on over to Path 11 TV because I dressed up for this show. I have a shirt that says Shine On. And uh, David, welcome to our show. I want to tell you a little bit about the synchronicity of the title of your book and why I'm wearing this beautiful t shirt for you. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank yeah. you. Hi. Hi. So, yeah. welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me along. Yeah, so um, I wanted to share with you and, you know, our audience, they're aware that my mom had passed away in October of 2019. Uh, what I might not have shared yet was that uh, when I went to cremate her, the funeral directors had provided me a ring that she was wearing when she passed away. And so I'm going to hold it up to the camera I don't know if people can see this or not, but it says shine on. And there's an inscription that says the world needs your beautiful light. And uh, I had felt like that was a very personal message that my mom gave me, you know, kind of encouraging me to continue on shining my light. Keep doing the work that you're doing. Don't let this grief stop you. And then after the pandemic, well, we're still in the pandemic, but once they started opening up stores here in New York, uh, I think it started, you know, it was like summertime or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I don't have any t-shirts for this summer. And I was in a department store, I walk by the shelf and sure enough, I find the shirt and it says shine on. So I love getting messages like that for my mom. And when I saw the title of your book, I felt like she was saying, get this guy on your podcast, look at the title of his book. So I just uh, felt immediately connected to you and your work just for that reason. So that, that is such a beautiful story. It really is. I, I mean that. That's great. I love synchronicity. Um, I'm, I'm, first of all, sorry to hear you lost your mum. I know how hard that is. Um, I lost my mum as well, actually, last summer. And so it's a, yeah, it's a big thing, isn't it? Yes, so, it is. um, yeah, but it, it, it's beautiful. That, that, that ring is just amazing. I love the, the, the inscription as well on the inside. So yeah. that's, that's a lovely thing that she left for you. Now, I know you're going to be telling us your story and what had happened, but I also have to ask, why did you choose Shine On for the title of your book? Is that connected a little bit into the near-death experience? It, well, it, yeah, it came through through spirit, I, I, I call it. Um, it came through um, uh, sometime after I'd had my accident and my near-death experience. I was 
desperate to find people who I could talk to that it would, I thought might get what what had happened, you know, because I knew nothing about near death experiences or or anything. So I found a spiritualist church and um, I started having spiritual healing. And some of the healers would give messages that would come through at the end of each session, just short ones, you know, and uh, and. Um, they were t- kept telling me that uh, they were seeing, hearing music and, and Wagner and Beethoven and all these things. And I didn't connect with us. Then one of them said, you're going to write a piece of music, they say, uh, about your experience. That's what they're telling me. So I, so that's what I started. And it started off as a song. I thought it would be a song because that's all I knew. And uh, and this straight away, um, Shine On came in. And that was like I got this chorus together and it was like you shine on you still shine on and so that stayed with me and i figured i wanted to use that as the title of the book i never completed the song but i ended up completing a symphony instead <laughs> uh, which is called the divine light but that's another story which i'd love to go into later but um yeah um yeah so that's where it comes through it came through to me you know through through those healing sessions you know through through this my guides basically yeah yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that because I was curious to know. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I listened to the symphony. Um, I, how I was able to get access to it was through SoundCloud, and it was just really, really moving. I mean, you could feel it in the heart center throughout the entire thing. Uh, oh, it was phenomenal. So we'll get a chance to talk about that. But yeah, so where, what happened? Like, where were you? Why were you near a train? How did you get dragged? And let's start, let's go back to that day when you're life literally changed sure um well i was seeing off a friend uh, at the rail station in cambridgeshire where i've been staying for a couple of weeks with my sister and uh my friend had to get back to london so i i, I helped her on onto the carriage with with her bags and stuff you know and um uh, gave her a hug and a kiss goodbye and as i did we heard the you know the emergency buzzers going for the doors to close so i i stepped back and as I stepped back, the bottom corner of my coat got trapped in the closing doors as I slammed to, and I just couldn't pull it free. It was like a quite thick, heavy-duty coat, and it wasn't going to come out. Um, so I, I looked around for the obvious, you know, for a guard, and there wasn't one. I, I shouted at the top of my voice for help constantly, but uh, nobody turned up. I was banging on the side of the windows, and then – the, the train engine started to rev up and I knew that it was about to pull out and I knew my coat was jammed in there. So um, I just looked into the eyes of my friend Anna and I just saw the sheer look of terror in her face, you know, and I just thought, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to die, I figured at that point, because I, I knew I, was, I wasn't going to get free. And so it, the, coat, the, the, the train pulled out of the station at terrific speed. You don't realize just how fast they accelerate out. I heard it shifting through all the gears. And I got dragged along the platform, and then I've eventually lost my footing, and I got pulled between the space of the platform edge and the actual speeding train. And I went under, and I went under the wheels, and I was just like – it was like being thrown into a very violent um, machine and being thrown around relentlessly and tossed from side to side and upside down or whatever you know and it was all very violent and all very terrifying um as i was conscious throughout the whole thing so um i then found that i was thrown to the ground and and so i just kept my face down into the gravel i remember smelling the oil and the you know the diesel or whatever it was vile but I just didn't care I was going to stay there. So the train eventually did 
move on. It was a very long train, and, and then the noise and the darkness just kind of just dispersed and went off down the track, and there I was, lying there in complete shock. I couldn't believe I was alive. I really didn't think I was going to survive it, but I did. So, yeah. And uh, the, the next thing that I knew was the, uh, the emergency service guys arrived pretty quick, so they were down there on the track you know, cutting through my clothes and somehow got me onto a, onto a stretcher and into an ambulance. And you never lost consciousness. You had consciousness this entire time. Yeah. I was completely conscious. Yeah. Wow. And it's interesting because I actually went into what, what you might call a survival mode. Um, you know, I actually thought it through um it's i I didn't i've looked into it since in fact i saw a tv program only only last year with an an american uh scientist who works on the brain and stuff like that and he said that sometimes when people are faced with death like myself you know they're in a a life or death scenario um it's like the, the mind has time to think it through it's almost like time gets stretched it wasn't like slow motion but for example, the rail police who did the big inquiry on the whole accidents, I asked them how long it took before I, I left, you know, the train pulled out and I went under. And they said 13 and a half seconds. And it felt more like minutes to me. And I actually, I'd seen a, a, this thing on the news, a, a news item where a, a small child had been thrown from a burning apartment block and had survived uh, as, it, as, as it landed, uh, the small child, because they said the infant's, don't tense up like adults, you know, they're, they're relaxed. And, and so I thought that's, that's what I'm going to do. And I did, I relaxed my whole body. And so I had time to think all these different things through. So, yeah, I guess that because I'd gone into fight rather than uh, uh, flight or whatever they call it, I, I remained conscious because I was desperately trying to survive, you know. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so that story of hearing about the child, you know, jumping from that building kind of came to mind while you were being dragged. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I'm, I'm curious, even though you were conscious, were you able to feel physical pain or was the adrenaline in the fight or flight kind of more, you had this very keen awareness, but what you weren't very connected to the physical body to feel the pain or could you feel it all experience it all, see it all? It's I, I could do, but, but it wasn't as you would expect it's like um, I remember when I, when I was a kid at school, uh, being in a fight in the playground, you know, and, the, and I remember the first punch really hurt. And then after that, you know, they didn't hurt quite so much. So I kind of figure that there's a bit of that going on, that there's a, there is a, there is something that protects us, you know, that you don't feel every single, um, you know, part of it. You know, the, I, I, yeah, so, yeah, I was in pain. I was, it was very agonizing, but I think a lot more of it was like the adrenaline was, was really high, quite high. And, uh, and I was just kind of like in shock. It was just, it was just a shocking, it was a very fast and very violent ordeal. So yeah, so I didn't really have time to kind of feel or think about the pain too much until the trainer moved on. And then of course I felt all the pain and the agony. I mean, my left arm had been severed from, from the elbow down. So I was in an awful lot of pain from that clearly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so the medical personnel, they came, they take you to the hospital and now surgeons are working on you. So is this where the near death experience had happened when you actually got to the hospital? That's and- right. Yeah. Sorry, okay. carry on. Yeah, yeah, no, tell us. Uh, you go. <laughs> tell us more. Yeah, so what happened there? 
Yeah, well, I was I was there for some time actually because uh, my family had arrived, and so I was in the emergency department. And I mean, I, when when I arrived, I remember them wheeling me in, and there was like a whole sort of team of medics and doctors and nurses or whatever all waiting for me. You know, and they were just like, I figured at that point, you know, I still wasn't sure that I was going to actually survive this because they sounded pretty scared themselves you know there was a lot of frantic science being thrown over my head at what it felt like they were all talking to each other very fast i thought what what does that mean what what's a cbo2 you know and uh so i wasn't sure just what was going to happen and i knew that i was losing a lot of blood at that point because uh yeah you know i was in quite a mess and uh but my family arrived and um the surgeon who continued to work throughout the whole process uh, throughout my recovery, he was fantastic. And he just started working again, synchronicity. You're talking about your shirt that you'd seen, you know, and, and the ring and that, you know, it's like I, there are a lot of synchronicities tended to happen in my life afterwards. And one of the first ones was that the, the surgeon who basically worked on me, he just started working at that hospital. So he was very keen and, t- and I was his b- first big case. And it was quite a big one, you know, a guy going under a train. And I said to him, look, you know, before you wheel, wheel me into surgery, will you save my arm? He said, I'm going to do my best. And he, and he did. You know, I mean, it was three lots of eight-hour surgeries to save it. But, um, yeah, so it was at that point I, I was talking to my family, and he said, do you want, can you see them? I said, yeah, send them through. So I was, my mum was in tears, I remember. And, um, yeah, and my friend Anna was there as well, so I just was – desperate to speak to her because i was i just felt i thought i knew what she'd just been through we well we've been through an ordeal together so i wanted to talk to her and connect before they wheeled me into into the theater so we chatted and i remember her head was just going like this she was going i can't believe you're alive this this is you know she couldn't believe it she saw me go under and uh she said to me she said i know this sounds strange you know but you just rolled under with such grace (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's why because i'd you know i'd, I'd relax my body so I'm, I'm anyway it was at that point that i i went from all this complete chaos and and you know all the, the frantic fear to um what seemed like a, a really warm darkened space like a, like a room i thought it was in a room at first but when i say dark it was actually a very inviting sort of darkness it wasn't at all intimidating or frightening and I just looked around and the first thing that I noticed were these pulsating colors. They were like lights that were slowly pulsating around me. And I felt comforted by this. And I pretty much had made the conclusion at that stage that, that I hadn't made it and I died. I thought, this is it. I'm in, I'm in the next stage. But I didn't fight it. I didn't sort of try to resist it. It's not like I wanted to die, um, but I was after what I'd just been through, it was actually quite nice to be in this peaceful space, you know. And all the pain had gone. There was no pain in my body whatsoever. And uh, so I um, I, I remember just lying and looking to see what I was lying on. I realized I was no longer on a hospital trolley whatsoever, but I was on a huge rock, and it was like a big slate rock, like a sort of like a medieval altar is the best way I could describe it. And uh, it felt really comfortable to lie on, which was really odd because it wouldn't do normally. And I also realized I was no longer wearing any clothes, but I still felt comfortable to lay back. So I was just covered in this blue sort of satin sort of sheet. And and that felt very comforting to have that that blanket on me. So I lay back and 
as I lay back, I looked up and three grids of uh, of white light started to sort of close in on me. And I looked into that light and the light was just so pure and bright that I just couldn't take my gaze away. Uh, normally that kind of intense light would be too much to look into, you know, it would burn my eyes. And, but with this, I couldn't take my gaze out of it. And uh, it felt like the, the the light was sending out uh, like an energy of, of, of uh, well, it was a healing energy, it felt like, you know. So I just bathed in this kind of light, if you like. And then I suddenly, then I, got, I felt there was, there was a presence of somebody. I thought somebody's here and somebody's with me. So I lifted my head and as I did, I saw this beautiful androgynous being just stood at my feet wearing just like a very contemporary black t-shirt, you know, uh, which was funny because I was expecting to see something a bit more (laughs) ethereal, you know, but that wasn't the case. Uh, And so, um, yeah, and this being was, uh, I felt like I'd known this being throughout my whole life and beyond, you know, and I just thought, who are you? Where where do I know you from? You know, and this being kept smiling at me. Uh, She or he had like this pure white blonde hair and the skin that was like radiating light out from within. And uh, so I felt very protected and I felt that this person was here to, to protect me and to, and to guide me. So, yeah. Um, I am, I laid my head back and thought I looked at my wounds to see how everything looked and everything was fixed. Like my arm and everything was back in place. There wasn't even a single scratch or scar or bruise, you know, everything was back in place. So I thought I'm just going to lie back and and relax and enjoy this space. And at that point, a, a little later on, I suddenly, again, I felt the presence of, of somebody. And so I, I, opened my eyes and there were there were two more beings uh in a in the female form had arrived either side of me uh and the one was kind of quite european sort of white cohesion looking with brown hair and uh wearing again a very simple brown dress and um and then but the girl to my left was more asian indian or american indian in appearance and wearing a more traditional dress and uh they both had their hands sort of how, hovering over my body as if as if they were healing me, you know, almost like a, I've never had Reiki healing, but I, I, I've seen what it looks like, and it, that's the best way to describe it, I guess. And um, the energy that was coming from their hands was just so powerful. It was just like a it, – it was like – it felt like an energy of love, you know. It was like a really intense love that was just like going through the whole of my body, and uh, I felt like every sort of sense of me was just almost like, it sounds odd, but it was almost like vibrating with this kind of love, you know, it felt beautiful because it was all the types of love that I'd had throughout my life all sort of condensed into one, you know, whether it be the love of my mother and my father, uh, my brother, sister, pet cat, or my lover, you know, it was all those types of love and it was all very condensed and coming through their hands. So, I, I I didn't. It's interesting because I, I, I again I, there was no sense of fear. There was no sense of what's happening. What you know? There was a, what, what are they doing with me? It was more like a, I'll let things unfold just as they are. Um, uh, which is odd because 
my me as a person up, up until that point throughout my whole life i'd been i'd suffered from anxiety i was quite an anxious person and you know and i've i carried a lot of guilt and shame and all these different things and all those negative feelings are gone and i realized that i thought they don't belong to me anymore and uh in fact i remember th- thinking about my family down in the hospital as i say down because I, I felt that i was above you know and i thought i'm gonna look down and see check on them because they were all pretty distraught with what had just happened clearly and i figured they're going to be stood around what i figured would me being dead you know so i i looked over my left hand shoulder um to see if i could see and uh, i didn't i didn't see them at all but what i did see was this um, amazing sight it was like this awesome sort of waterfall like it like the size of niagara but it, it was instead of water it was stars it was just literally millions of stars were just like cascading over the edge and wow. they were just like yeah it was just really quite uh, uh awe-inspiring and and of course i knew by this point that i wasn't in a small darkened room at all i was actually in the universe itself and uh this was like incredible and i i tried to look down to see where they were all falling. And uh, as I did look down, there were shooting stars falling through the middle. And and I, I, I saw what looked like another galaxy. And, and as my focus sort of got drawn into that, I realized that this was going into further galaxies and into infinity and into into color, beautiful colors, you know. And, um, yeah, there was so, yeah, that was a beautiful sight. Um. So I just turned back over, and again, as I say, the, instead of feeling, oh my goodness, my family, you know, I can't see that. I suddenly thought, oh, that's okay. I'll, I'm sure I'm going to be seeing them at some point, and if I don't see them up here, they're going to be experiencing all this beauty when their time comes, and they're going to love it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I didn't care, which is great. You know, when I say I didn't care, I mean that in a, in a beautiful way. You know, and um, so I just laid my head back and. Uh, enjoyed the, the the healing that was that was coming through and it was a, a little later on I, I i felt this energy that i was talking about that was coming from their hands of love was suddenly it turned up like the dial had just kind of like being turned up big time and I, and i knew there was something else present so i lifted my head again and just beyond the the first being of light that i, I talked about that was still stood at my feet was a huge tunnel of white light and it was slowly closing in towards me and the intensity of that light was again was really beautifully bright white and and but this time i felt energy coming from that light and that tunnel of light white light was like surrounded by flames that were just slowly sort of circling around and it was very very powerful and and normally would be quite frightening you know but i didn't i had no fear at all so i just i was just kind of like excited by what i was seeing and i realized at that point that um because a lot of stuff was coming through in forms of form of telepathy that you know was giving me information and i was just when i looked at it um i was being told this is this is the source of all creation that i'm looking at this is god you know it's not like the normal image of God that we, we all tend to believe in, you know, whatever faiths are. They're normally in some kind of form in human form, you know, like if, you know, the, on the ceiling of the Vatican, the, the guy with the beard, it was nothing like that. It was this huge tunnel of white light. And that's 
that's what I was looking at and that's what I was feeling. This energy coming from it was just so profound and so powerful. It was just brilliant. And uh, um, so it was that, at that point that I, I laid my head back and I remember I was kind of like, almost like laughing because of the, the joy of all that I was experiencing and enjoying this whole thing and that I suddenly went crashing back down into my body and I was back to earth, you know, and I was back in into the pain back into the the, the loudness of, and the brightness of the hospital and um yeah and i was i was going wow they sent me back <laughs> you know uh there was a lot of people say to me oh you must have been really gutted you know after all that beautiful experience you had that you come back and i said no i, I wasn't because I was still charged with all this amazing love that I just felt that I felt like I, I was still connected to it. So I was still felt very positive. And, um, I just thought, I, what's, what's my purpose? Why have they sent me back? And how am I going to tell everybody about this? How am I going to tell the world about what I've just seen and experienced? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here you are, right. Ready to yeah. tell the world. Now, when you were in that state and, um, you know, those beings came to heal you. It sounded like you were also getting some downloads and information. Um, you know, some people that have near-death experiences, some of the similarities in the stories are they're told it's not their time yet, that they do have to go back, that sometimes they're given a specific message or that, um, you know, you heard that this is all of creation, you know, where creation you know, happens, but did you receive anything else personally? Like, did you know that you were going to be creating music when you came back or art, or was that something that just happened after you began to heal? Um, it, that happened pretty quick, actually. Yeah. When I, the, they sent me into theater for an eight hour operation, I remember. And when I came through from the anesthetic, I was, they'd given me my own room in the hospital. Um, and I remember just being in this room, room on my own with just this, this kind of r2d2 machine bleeping next to me and i just i was there and i was just thinking it all through you know i mean obviously i was part of me was dealing with, with what had happened the accident i was in shock from that but it was overrided quite massively by the near-death experience itself and i thought i was scared at that point that i was going to forget everything and so i thought right i've got to do a painting and i'd never done anything like this before but you know, I thought that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to paint it. I'm going to do a big Renaissance style painting like the ones you actually see in Rome, you know, the big sort of Michelangelo's because it's got to be big because it's it was a huge thing that I saw. So I've got to pack it all in there somewhere. So, yeah, so that's what I was told. That's what that's what that was my first step that I was going to paint it. And and so when I was well enough, once I got out of hospital and, and I, I recovered at my sister's house with her family and, um, I got a canvas and I got a big canvas that, that my that my aunt had bought me actually. She so uh, she knew what I, I wanted to do and she bought it. And um yeah. So I started I started painting. I was, yeah, there was a I am honest to say that I, I was apprehensive about it because I thought I can't mess this up, you know, this has got to be how I how I saw it. But once I started painting all these ideas were going onto the canvas and they were just starting to evolve and I was starting to create something like I'd never done before. And I was like actually looking at this thinking, wow, this is amazing. And I realized almost straight away that, that I was being helped, that they were channeling through ideas and giving me like a crash course on, on how to paint, how to apply color and how to bring out light and, and tones in the skin and all these different things. And so, so yeah, so the very first painting I did was 
of my near-death experience and uh yeah, yeah so yeah maybe we can even um you know mike's in the background there maybe he can uh, pull up some of the paintings on your website so for the people who are watching our interview they can actually see and we you can take us through a little bit of what they look like um and just so the audience knows what was your background before this near-death experience like what was your job or what did you do and you know was it really far on the other side of being a musician and an artist yeah it was totally far from it <laughs> I'd, I'd left school without qualifications because uh i'm dyslexic and uh so so basically I, i'd messed up most of my exams so when i left it was most of the work that i was picking up was pretty much um you know casual work if you like which is like you know but basically going most of it was manual laboring uh work and I wasn't actually that good at that either. That, you know, I'd look around at the other guys who were working on the on the building sites and stuff, and they were they were brilliant. I'd watch them plastering walls and ceilings, and I'd say, "How do you do that?" You know, that's an art form, and they'd show me, but I just couldn't do it. So anyway, so that's how I started off as a manual laborer because that was basically where that was the that was it was just. I was living data. I was living in London as well, so it was a very competitive and expensive place to live, like all capital cities, you know. But so, but I, I wanted to live in London, and, and and so that was tough as well because I was aspiring to people who were successful, and I was making friends with people who were successful. So that was kind of like not making life very good for me because yeah, I was struggling to keep up with where they were at basically. So uh, yeah, that's but that's what I was doing. Yeah. All right, Mike. Yeah, go ahead and bring those pictures um, or paintings back on up. And uh, let's click on the first one that kind of shows this light, what it sounds to be that you're talking about that was coming towards you and kind of had a little bit of this um, fiery quality to it. And uh, yeah, yeah, right there. Okay, yeah, brilliant. So, this, so this was, yeah, bring us through this painting here. Sure. Well, as I talked about earlier, that the centre of that tunnel of light was in very intense, bright white lights, and I wanted to paint there. Uh, well, I was guided to paint that pretty much. Actually, I, I was, I, all the flames were. I, I wanted to try and get the power and the energy of those rotating uh, flames as they were turning around, and then then the light that was coming out towards me was just really, really intense. So, so yeah, that's that's. That is the the tunnel of white light. That's beautiful. That, yeah. And I know you have another one of what looks like to be when you're being healed. And that, are these, yeah, this next photo, um, for those of you listening, you can see in the painting a man laying down with this, you know, blue satin sheet over him, like uh, David described, with looks like three healers. I see one that looks like that Native American, another one, and then the being with the really blonde hair two angels above and it looks like an old man with glasses on <laughs> i see so yeah explain this to me well this was the very first painting that i did and wow. uh, so yeah so i mean it is so intricate i mean i can't believe you've never painted anything in your life and to look at this it's like i'm a little speechless wow thank you yeah well i mean I, I will say that uh, without kind of trying to blow my own trumpet, because it's not my own trumpet because I was being helped. That I felt the same. I'd, I'd finish at the end of each day, and I'd, I'd, I'd sit down in a chair and I go, "Wow, you know, it's like amazing. How it's coming together?" You know, and uh, that came from a very 
a, a, a basic sketch. You know, my sister came in to visit me in hospital with a note, and I said, can you get me like a little sketch pad, a little one and a pencil? So I drew exactly that, and that's what the painting was. Now, the the the, the older fellow that's in it there, that's my grandfather. And um, he was – I painted him because when I started going to the spiritualist church, I was painting that painting at the time, and uh, they would have um, – at the end of their – their services they would have like a guest medium would travel from the different ones from all over the country and i was getting picked out nearly every week when i because they started laughing at me I, you know who's this new guy's turned up and he's getting he's getting all these messages because i think all this energy was still so strong you know within me from where i've been anyhow I, they kept telling me week after week that my grandfather was with me and they the descriptions they gave were so him i thought wow and uh and a lady put, put, took me to one side, and she said she was a retired medium, and, and and she was having a coffee at the end of the night. She said that accident you had, you know, she said um, your grandfather was with you, and he he was a massive part of saving you that day, you know, along with your power animal. So I thought, wow. So I I, I wanted to put him in the painting. In fact, there was a little space synchronicity again. That there was a space on the where I just hadn't painted in in, that, in the canvas, and I thought something's got to go there because it's, it's it's begging for something. Then I thought, no, it's going to be my grandfather. So there, there he is. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. And maybe we can go through one more. Is there another one that you'd like us to um, share with yeah, the audience? Sure. So, so this was I wanted to try and paint again to to show me. Oh, it's gone. So uh, yeah, which which one would you like? The third one from the top. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that one. Okay. So yeah, um, so um, that's me. As I talked about, that's the big slate rock that I was lay on, and uh, and that's the being of of first being that greeted me. Uh, I just wanted to show this kind of very contemporary looking black yeah. t-shirt, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's the blue cloth as well, the satin sort of silky sheet that was lay across me, and and so. There's the tunnel of white light again. And then to, to the left of me was the waterfall of stars. So so that, that's, that's that's what's basically going on there. And that's me kind of like looking at that waterfall of stars. And that's just at the point where I turned my head over, you know, and I was kind of going, wow, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So if people want to check out more of your artwork, they can definitely go to your website, but um, let's talk about the music now. Um, how did the music come to be? So you have the art that's kind of pouring out of you. You feel like you're getting guidance. You're being told what colors to use, how to, how to paint, how to use that. And tell us a little bit about the music. Yeah. Well, um, it was pretty much the same process that um, I am. Um, uh, as I say, I've been told by the mediums I was going to write some music, and I got—I couldn't play guitar anymore. I used to play like three chord wonder sort of <laughs> punk sort of pop stuff, you know. And um, but I got this old cheap synthesizer that was in 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 the cupboard, so I got that out, and I was just trying to write this song, and nothing was coming. And then one afternoon, I was, a chord progression came through, and I thought, oh, I like that. That sounds really nice, and I thought what is that, you know, what's happening here? And I thought, this is, this sounds like, it. I just recorded it. All I got was a, a cassette recorder at that point, and I just recorded it uh, onto my cassette recorder. And then I just developed it, and it got to the stage where I thought, this sounds like it could be performed by an orchestra. And uh, I'd made friends with a cello player who was, he used to come and see me when I was doing that very first painting. 
and she got very involved in all the spiritual journey and loved all that. And uh, I said, oh, I said, I said, what are you up to? And I said, I'm just working on this piece of music. And I said, it sounds like it should be played by orchestra. And she laughed and said, oh, maybe we could perform it. So I thought, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, so I did do And um, I just, my brother, who's, who, who lived down in London as well, he said to me, like, I've got this package that you can, like a software that you can attach to your computer. And when you're playing uh, on, on the keyboard, but whatever notes you're playing, it can then convert it into musical notation. So that's what I did. And I just heard all the different parts coming through, just like as you uh, really nicely summed it up then, you know, the, uh, the colours that were coming on. Instead of the colours coming onto the canvas, I was hearing musical sounds and instruments, which I never even knew existed, like French horns and things like that. So, so I was hearing stuff instead of... And, and so that's how it works. So I thought I just developed it up, and I and I took some printed off this musical score and said to my friend, "Do you remember that conversation we had? Well, I've got some score. Would you look at it?" And she said, "Okay." So we had a meeting with the with the heads of the orchestra, and they we just sat in this coffee bar and they looked at it and they went, "Okay, we'll do it." So they performed it, and um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it is beautiful. Maybe there is a way to um, that. Mike afterwards can edit in uh, a little bit of maybe the first four minutes of uh, the song. So our listeners can just like sit back, relax and, and listen to a piece of it. Thank you. That'd be lovely. Yeah. 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 So I guess my, another, I have a couple of other questions. One question that I'm thinking of, it's like you come out of this experience with, and you've experienced this great love, right? Sure. You've experienced this place that is just phenomenal and beautiful and there was no pain. And you're like, Oh, this is, this is wonderful. When you came back into the physical body and through recovery, um, did you have to go through any psychological help therapy? Did you have any post-traumatic stress from this or did the experience of tapping into to this other reality was that enough to just allow the trauma of this experience to not overcast or shadow your life as you returned that's a great question actually because um it's at, at the very beginning i was okay and the energy that i felt through the the whole near-death experience did carry me through and i was healing at a, a, a tremendous rate you know the the the, the consultant and the surgeon said wow you're healing really well really well and um they did they they sent through a um a psychologist to, to come and see me um, um psychiatrist sorry to check that i was okay after the trauma i've been through and he was going you know you seem all right <laughs> so, so i was at first but then about six months later uh i couldn't I couldn't deal with it anymore, and then I, I suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. And I, not only that, what I did realize in retrospect as well, and I, after talking to other people who have had NDEs, and that is that you come – I wasn't guarding myself either. I come back with all this positive energy and love, and all I wanted to do was share that love and give it out, you know. But the reality of the world is that, it, that society doesn't work like that. And so I wasn't armed for – you know, if you like, for things that have been thrown at me. So, yeah, so so I did have to have some quite a lot of therapy afterwards. But also I needed therapy to help me deal with, uh, you know, getting over 
getting on the train because I couldn't drive at first and I thought I can't even get a, a, around the country and see my friends or anything. So I was determined to try and get back on the train. So I had an awful lot of therapy for that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause you know, as a mental health therapist, I just wonder about that too. It's like, even though people are like yourself, you've experienced this wonderful near death experience and kind of have this realization or knowing that there's something really beautiful outside of the physical body. When you come back and you have to live this three dimensional life, it doesn't mean necessarily that someone that's gone through an experience of yours just doesn't have to deal with the trauma of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it helps an awful lot. It helps, but it's, it's like, um, the two work together really well. Um, you know, because it, when I was started having the, 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 the psychotherapy, uh, it helped me what I'd been through with the near death experience to be able to sort of like, sort of look at things in a more f- philosophical way. You know, I realized that the, the anxiety and the guilt that I carried around in my, in my previous life, if you like, didn't belong to me. And I realized that when I was in, in the near death experience itself, I was, in the moments, I'd, 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 the, the past didn't bother me anymore. You know, I forgot all about the past. And also concerns and worries and fears about the future didn't exist either. So I really wanted to, to make sure that I didn't lose that. So this, having the psychotherapy helped me sort of try to get back to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say moving forward do you feel is your purpose now? What do you feel really connected to as you, you know, live out the rest of your life here? Do you feel more sure about what that is? Yeah, I do. I do actually, because um, you know, it's it's slowly unfolding. It's kind of like like the paintings were the first thing that I was able to start talking about my experience to people uh on a small level just through my artwork. And then the concept uh, when that happened that sold out and so uh, that was appealing to a, a bigger audience and then i was being interviewed about the concert and my music so i started talking about it and again me previously i wouldn't have been able to do that i would have been too nervous you know but once i started talking about it it came out really well and then the book was the third stage so it's almost like these different dimensions if you like to the story was starting to open up and um so yeah just so now it's kind of like I, i'm yeah, I've had the power, you know, coming through one dimension, which is the, the 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 paint, the artwork, then the music, and now the book, which is which is like giving me an option to talk to people like yourself, and I'm and I'm, and I'm chatting to more people. So it's kind of like great to be able to to talk about my story as, as much as pe- people can read about it as well. So yeah. Yeah. So my purpose is that, you know, just to try and spread the, the message. Yeah. And are you still creating music and creating art or are all that your paintings done at this point? No, I still continue to, to do both. Yeah. So uh, I'm working on a piece of music at the moment. So that's the main one. So, so I've got a new piece that, is, that I want, well, for orchestra to perform, but I don't know how we're going to do that at the moment with the pandemic, you know, but I'm still continuing to to write with that. And that's, that's a new piece. Yeah. So I'm quite excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I could also imagine that people would, um, you know, want to attend a live performance to maybe be, you know, sitting there and embodying these sounds of what you're kind of experiencing experience during your near-death experience and then like able to bring it out for people to hear you know I wonder if you've gotten any feedback from people really feeling the way that you put the notes together was a very spiritual experience as they were listening to it did you get any feedback like that 
Yes, I have. Yeah, I've, I've had some wonderful feedback actually. Um, you know, because uh, I mean, at the concert, I, there was people turned up. They see me on the news. The BBC came to interview me. That's why it sold out. I think because <laughs> I started chatting about what happened about my near-death experience. So people came who'd, who'd either had near-death experiences or, you know, they'd been through trauma. And, and it, so they came up to me at the end of the concert and so they felt it. And a lot of people said afterwards that they just that music was just really trans, transposed them from, from the, the space they were in. Everyone felt lifted. And you could feel it. The, the energy in the room was just, like, wonderful. But... Having said that, an awful lot of people are now because I, I, that symphony is on my website and, and it's where you can stream it for free. As you pointed out, you listen to it, so it's on SoundCloud. So I've had a lot of feedback from my interviews with people going onto the website and hearing it, and they get back to me. And, and, and the comments are, generally speaking, a lot of people say that they're, they're kind of like taken away from, from the everyday life and, and they feel like they're going through that journey with me. So, so yeah. Yeah. And maybe we can pull up your website so people um, can see that. And for those who are just listening, can you let them know where uh, people can find your book, where they can listen to this music and see more of the artwork? Yeah. Um, well, the best place to start off with is my website, which is uh, it's called shineonthestory.com. And you could, you've got all the links are on there. You know, you can see my some of my artworks on there. You can... Uh, you can trigger the, the links to hear my music. Uh, so there's all three movements are on there. So you can listen to those to your heart's content for free. Um, then there's, there's, there's also reviews and interviews uh, that I've done. So if you want to listen to any more and stuff and uh, um, what else? And then there's links to uh, my social media. If, you, if you're interested in following me at all, you know, I've got a, a Facebook page an Instagram page and also a YouTube channel. So, you know, if, uh, and a SoundCloud, yeah. So you know, people, the, you know, the internet, especially at the moment, with with everything, it's just wow. I don't know how we'd survive without it. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's wonderful, you know. So, yeah. so it's great. So people are interested in looking a bit more into into my journey. Uh, please do go to the to the website and start there. And with the book, yeah, um, th- th- there's a link on there if you can click on it and it'll take you to anywhere in the world where you're based and you can, you know, it'll take you to Amazon basically. So Amazon is up there uh, worldwide. So you can just, just, just you know, click on uh, Shine on the Story, uh, David Ditterfield, and it'll come up. Um, Wonderful. Well, David, thank you so much for shining your beautiful light on our show and sharing your story with us. And it was lovely to have you. Uh, I'll see if Mike can work his magic behind in the editing before the show comes out. And I'm sure he'll be able to attach a portion of what you have shared on SoundCloud so people can just sit back and relax and listen after this interview. Just take in this beautiful symphony and music that David created. It really just brought me right into my heart center. I'm sure it will bring you into yours. And David would love to have you back on the show anytime. If you create more music, if you write another book, if you want to just even do a show on your paintings, whatever, um, you are welcome. Welcome back anytime. Brilliant. I'd love to come back. Yeah. Listen, I'll send you some music and then then you can some MP3 files and you can use those, can't you? So, but thank you so much. 
Yeah, it's been great chatting with you. It's lovely to meet you as well. Yes, same here. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you would like to watch it, head on over to path11tv.com. You can watch it for free and you can see the paintings that we were looking at together and what David was describing. All right, everyone. Well, thanks again. And until next time, I'll talk to you later. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that show. And don't forget to head on over to path11tv.com. Grab your annual membership for $59. Remember, that is 40% off the regular price. Once November 12th hits, the price is going to go back up to the regular price. So I really want you to take advantage of our launch deal of $59. You get over 75 hours of content that we have on there. And if you register now until November 11th, we are going to email you a private link to the Zoom gallery reading with Suzanne Northrup. And if you would like to watch Suzanne and see what she has to say before the gallery reading, you can tune in to Facebook Live, YouTube Live, or watch it on path11productions.com. She's going to be speaking for about 30 to 45 minutes on November 11th at 11 a.m. We're going to take a short break and then you are going to head on over to your Zoom room and sit there in the gallery and hopefully Suzanne will choose you and give you a private reading to connect with your deceased loved ones. So head on over to path11tv.com. Take advantage of the annual membership. Remember, the monthly membership does not give you the Zoom link. You have to purchase the annual membership in order to get into the gallery reading Zoom room. All right, guys, take care.